0: Hello and welcome to WarPod, the official podcast of the Remote Warfare Program.
1: In our monthly Westminster Roundup Podcast, we give you a quick roundup analysis of the two top stories from Westminster, chosen by Liam, that's him,
0: and Megan, that's her. So Megan, what's your top story of the month?
1: So the thing i like to explore this month is the impact of the coronavirus on the Integrated Review. So as we've spoken about before, the Integrated Review is a process that happens every five years and it aims to take into stock what the main threats are against the UK and how the UK is going to respond. And so this year's integrated review was supposed to be particularly special because it's meant to be one of the most comprehensive reviews since the Cold War. And it takes place in a time where a lot of things are changing. So the UK has left the EU and it has to define its role outside of the Union. Threats from states such as Russia and Iran are becoming a major focus again. And now, of course, we also have a pandemic that has to be taken into account. Um, So I just want to explore very briefly what the impact of the coronavirus has been on the review so far. And the first is a very obvious point in that the review has been delayed because of the coronavirus. And we don't know how long that will be for or when it will be picked back up, up, but it's likely to be towards the end of the year or the beginning of next year. And the context of this delay is different than anyone had obviously hoped for, but we have been pushing for a long time to have um, a longer time to give real input into this review. Um, And the pandemic has only made the need for a delay more acute. And so in a way, it is good to see that there has been a response to this and and a delay of the the review. Um, It was initially given six months to be completed when it was announced in the beginning of the year. And most people we've spoken to have said that it needs much longer than that to actually be um, beneficial and have a real impact. So we are pleased it's been delayed. Um, And we have perhaps a small glimmer of hope that it might have a more realistic timeline when it's picked back up. Um, and maybe there'll be more room for external engagement, certainly you can hope. The second impact of the coronavirus on the review is that we've heard from a lot of experts that we've spoken to that there's this risk that the, re- the review will focus too much on the financial costs of the UK foreign policy, rather than really trying to address the values that the UK is trying to um, disseminate throughout the world. And we heard from quite a lot of working to emphasize that the, the review has to outline not just what the UK is willing to not do, but also what they are willing to do and what their actual values are, what it stands for. Um, And I think there's a risk from the financial pressure on the UK government after the virus that it may exacerbate the risk that the review will be focused more on the cost efficiency of what it's doing rather than actually addressing the real values the UK is trying to espouse.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's a, a really important point and has probably been compounded in a way by the ongoing crisis. I mean, I think although... There is a glimmer of hope that the fact of it being extended may provide a greater opportunity for this to as you say focus on those things about who we are as a country, mm-hmm. what our priorities are going to be at the on the international at the at the international level, but at the same time you know the amount of uh, spending that has um come out of the support the government has put in place in response to the coronavirus is the largest, as far as I'm aware, of any government in peacetime in the UK. Uh, It is, you know, the government's describing it as one of the most generous, I think, uh, analysis elsewhere, be able to determine whether that is is the case. But nonetheless, it still is a very vast uh, sum of money and that will have implications on uh, defense, and I think especially because we saw at the beginning of this year with the new government under Boris Johnson that they were hoping to move away from the austerity as it's described, yeah, of, you know cutting back money uh, on on different sort of public uh, spending priorities and actually reversing that and, and putting more money in. so I think they're going to be reticent to stop that narrative. Uh, as I you know they're already looking to to the next election so they will very much perhaps find alternative ways and that could mean defense I mean it's going to be difficult because I think you know from experts that we've heard for from this is uh, a different government a different conservative party in parliament uh, and they are probably going to be more supportive of spending more on defense but that doesn't um avoid the the reality that it is going to be difficult when it comes to that comprehensive spending review so lots of things as you say to to think about and, and I, I just I just don't think even now at this point we can we can sort of judge or, uh, yeah, or see well, how it's going to turn out
1: that's the thing as well it's very difficult to make um, predictions about the impact of this because of mm-hmm. course no one knows when it's going to be picked back up or what's going to happen from the pandemic Exactly. Um, and one of the things I think is interesting is that what our, our colleague Abigail Watson pointed out in her recent briefing on this that often when you have a government that's very focused on the cost efficiency of its um, foreign policy it often turns to remote warfare because this is perceived as a very yeah. low cost and very low risk form of engagement and so there is a risk that this is becoming like this is going to become more used even though it's yeah. not low risk the risks are just not very not, not very well understood
0: absolutely no Definitely. absolutely point so, well made
1: Liam what's your main story of the month
0: well, I mean, it may have passed people by, uh, but we did have um, the outcome of the Labour leadership election. Uh, and surprise, surprise, Sakir Starmer won yeah. <laughs> with, with with over 50% of the vote from the Labour Party, which is, is a solid mandate. And it actually is similar to, to what uh, Jeremy Corbyn secured all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, speaking to that point about not really knowing uh, where we're going to be in six months time with, with the review I think this is a different Labour Party um, there are different people in, in uh, key roles within his, his cabinet that he's appointed um, so I think in terms of how it's going, how they are now going to tap into the debate around national security might be somewhat different to uh, how previously that jeremy corbyn uh, looked at defense so if you take for example um lisa nandy who has been appointed foreign secretary you know she was another candidate during the leadership election and one of the things that she sort of expressed uh, was frustrations about those within the party who are sort of taking a very absolutist approach to intervention yeah. abroad sort of arguing that well you know we she admits that she opposed, she wasn't in parliament at the time, but she opposed the Iraq um, intervention, but said said that, you know, we need to make sure that sometimes there are occasions when we step up and those that we don't. And we can't let the sort of spectre of, of the Iraq intervention uh, unnecessarily stop us from intervening in places, so whether that's diplomatically through development aid or through uh, military means. Um, she's quite clear on that that sort of even perhaps that on the diplomatic side being sort of more reticent about being mm-hmm. involved in international could mean that you wouldn't engage diplomatically. so I think you know she's got a very different kind of approach she's internationalist she believes that the the party needs to have a different approach given that we're now heading as you were describing towards sort of post-Brexit Britain which is still coming I think we sort of seem to have forgotten about this impending withdrawal from from, from the EU but it's still very important and, and appears to be still on track so I think that's going to be um, an interesting point you know she supported intervention in Libya uh, but then she actually opposed uh, the intervention in, in Syria in 2015 so I think you know then that was based on the fact that she didn't feel that there was a a sufficient or uh, well-made plan uh, as part of that intervention in terms of how you would um, bring peace but I think it demonstrates that there are s- circumstances where perhaps you would be would s- support um, a humanitarian intervention or support the deployment of, of Britain's troops and the the other person who's been appointed is is John Healy at, at, at the defence for the defence portfolio and he's an interesting character because he's I mean he's been in the housing portfolio for I think something like 11 years uh, he was there I think at the end of of the 2010s when Gordon Brown was in office um, and then took over under Ed Miliband and and then again with with Jeremy Corbyn. Now he's at defence, so he he doesn't actually have a a significant sort of track record or anything, anything sort of specific uh, that stands out from his long parliamentary career. But I think if you look at, again, going back to the the interventions um, in Syria, uh, he also voted against that intervention on the basis that, you know, he, he said that he didn't think necessarily that many British service personnel would lose their lives, but that this could lead to many deaths in mm-hmm. Syria, innocent civilians dying, and also that ISIS would take advantage of making out that the UK uh, was um, killing civilians and so using it as a propaganda tool, which I think we, we, we've we sort of seen. and And actually, that sort of speaks to a broader issue around concerns about how well we are uh, looking at, as you were saying with the, the reference from the quote that uh, uh, Abby recently made, is that how are we understanding the risks of remote yeah. warfare? And I think this is a really interesting opportunity then for John Healy, given that the Labour Party committed in their 2019 general election manifesto for a review of the uh, risks and challenges of of remote warfare, as part of a broader security review now that we have got the, a review happening happening although it's a different uh, party taking that forward yeah. i think in opposition it will be important that they, those same um commitments that the the party made in their manifesto have sort of borne out in in their opposition uh, in their role now as the the new opposition i think the last thing that i want want to say say on this is that i think there's a particular uh, angle that that Sakia Starmer might play on this, and that's around sort of the the legal basis for for interventions, given his legal background, used to head up uh, the Crown Prosecution Service, so it's quite significant in, uh, legal background. Um, and that in the historically, when he it came to the Iraq intervention, for example, he was very much opposed to the way in which the government at the time, under Tony Blair, was trying to put forward the legal case for intervention. And there's a, a very well publicised um, article that he wrote at the time arguing that the the way in which resolution 1441 i think it was was being interpreted by the, gov- the then government so i think he's going to take a very sort of legal legalistic approach in in his in his opposition um which i think will be a challenge to will be a different kind of challenge to boris johnson who yeah. you know he's he's got that person a very bombastic uh character very charismatic sakir isn't so charismatic but he's very good on detail and i think some of his supporters have said you know he's going he's gonna to get Boris Johnson on detail. So I think sure. in that sense, you know, the, the government will be thinking about how they adapt their approach um, with someone who's got not only a very good reputation, very good professional background, still is sort of more on the what I would describe as sort of the more radical side of the party. And by that, I mean that he's more on the sort of progressive side, wants to shake things up. So still got that kind of edge that, that might appeal to, to Corbyn supporters within his party but still very much kind of with that different sort of I would describe it as credibility to be honest Mm -hmm. uh, his 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 background so yeah a very interesting uh, couple of months ahead I think and uh, I think it's important that we do try and understand and I'll have a piece on this coming on the website very shortly hopefully about you know what this really means for for the Labour Party in terms of their stances on foreign policy.
1: And it's interesting Interesting as well. I think you saw it even in the PMQs last week that Keir Starmer was very fact-based and it was a very different debate than we've seen before mm-hmm. with the PMQs. Um, and of course, it wasn't Boris Johnson, it was Dominic Raab who was giving the counter answers. Mm-hmm. But it's still interesting to see how, how the opposition has shifted, definitely, as yeah. different personalities coming, coming on.
0: And I think even given, you know, I think that came out even though there was a slightly different approach to PMQs given everything that's yeah. going on with a virtual parliament. I think you're absolutely right. It was it was a slightly different uh, leader of the opposition and it'll be interesting to see now that I, I believe Boris Johnson is, is back in action and he'll probably be at the dispatch the box um, this week how that that plays out between, yeah between that little sparring match over keys.
1: absolutely all right well very exciting month coming ahead
0: absolutely thank Good. you very much Megan
1: thank you take care you too bye